This week we go further into the world of spiritual and psychological emergencies here in Western Australia. Now not so long ago I and a few colleagues got together and we did a little research project where we listened to the actual experiences of those who resonated with the idea of a spiritual and psychological emergency and they shared their experiences and we taught them through a structured interview. In this presentation I share some of the findings and the patterns that came out through those conversations and what we find is something really fascinating. What we learn is more about these naturally occurring human development episodes and how they are almost unprepared deep dives into our interior. It's a lot of fun. The presentation lasts for about 40 minutes and then afterwards there's a good Q&A session that goes for another 20 odd minutes afterwards. There's much to learn about this, which is very overlooked and often swept to one side in our society. So I think there's a lot to learn. And if you resonate with this and you'd like to help or you'd like to share your story or you'd like to just talk more, then please, by all means, reach out and get in touch. So enjoy the presentation. How many people here, um, what's the best way to describe it? Seek alternative healing modalities. I know it's a real wanky phrase, but like, just an example. Um, I don't know, let's go anywhere from meditation to sound bowls to sound healing to psychedelics to anything of that nature. Chiropractic, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And I suppose the other thing to ask is how many people in the audience actually offer such a service? So, Claire? Sound. Sound? Cool. I certainly recommend it. Yeah. It's part of my practice. I don't do it personally, but yeah. I'm, I'm very inclusive of every all of that yeah. for my clients. Just out of interest, interest, did anybody come here expecting me to give them the answer? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm an answer. I'm outcomes focused. I just want to leave here with an answer. Yeah, if right. That's, if that's okay, okay with you, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna find this evening. Yeah, good. Okay. Forty-two, good. lots yeah. of fish and dolphins. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, no, because it, it's not. Yeah, I know that. It's not quite like that, and and there's a couple of things I want to check in on along the way, um, because that's not um, what you're going to get this evening, as as I'll explain. So, as I said. This was a research project. Um, I, I, I had a, a level of curiosity around this, which I'll explain in a minute. And um, we set some big objectives. George, Georgia, sitting here, actually helped out with a bit of the, well, a good chunk of the, uh, doing the work. Um, but um, yeah, so even one of the most basic questions of the research topic was, are these legitimate things? And I will say that the fact that there's, what, like 11, 12 people in a room that have actually come here because I put said spiritual and psychological emergence demonstrates to me that there is something around this which is worthy and noteworthy of attention and focus. And I think there's quite a bit to it as we'll go into it. So what is it that we're actually talking about? And, and this was the meme that Michael was talking about. And, and it's worth just considering this movie. How many people have seen this before? Like, probably loads. Yeah, so what people think a spiritual awakening is like versus what it's actually like. Now, again, the fact that this meme has done the round says to me that people are actually sort of resonating with this topic. 
and, and, and there's something there. It also says to me that you know, we've got this nice, almost consumer capitalism picture of it, of you know, sitting there or on the beach holding your crystal with your wavy hair and all of a sudden you know, the angel wings will come and I will be enlightened and fly off. And yet, this, right? Uh, where it looks really untidy and it's kind of scary and yeah. And so um, I think this really sums up a lot of why I was drawn to this um, and why I wanted to know more about it. So let's just, so the first part of this is just set, setting, orientating people and setting like, um, setting some pins out so we all know where we, we sit on this. So there's a difference between an emergence and an emergency. So I think it was Stanislav Grof who first in 1989 came up with this idea of a spiritual emergence. And, it's, and it, as you see, I highlighted, it's a breakdown of meaning um, that can lead to transformative growth. He sort of said that it went on to a more expanded way of being that involves enhanced emotional and psychosomatic health, greater freedom of personal choice and greater connection to others and nature around us. Um, the difference between an emergence and an emergency is that when an emergence becomes so big and so overwhelming and unmanageable and exceeds the individual's capability, that's when he sort of suggested that it becomes an emergency. Right, and that's kind of this sort of picturesque. Um, and I like this, that the individual is unable to gracefully return to day-to-day -day functioning. Makes me think that I might be in a perpetual emergency because I'm not <laughs> quite hitting that grace. And look, for, for me, um, and it's interesting that we're doing this here in South Rio, right? I used to live in South Rio for about five years. Um, I see more people heading towards um, vipassanas, meditation, sound bowls, sound healing, um, you know, yoga retreats, vision quests, and now we're, you know, we're seeing, you know, ayahuasca's in the topic of conversation. People are microdosing with mushrooms, but more and more people are drawn to something drawn to an investigation that takes them inwards. And my personal concern, and, and that was shared with, with Georgia, and there was two others, Paul and Mel, who helped me out with this, who weren't able to come this evening. Um, we, were, we just had this concern that the more people were being pulled towards this stuff, the greater there was a probability of these sort of things happening. And we all, th and it was, I was getting concerned that people were getting drawn to these modalities thinking this was going to happen when from my own experience of one at this point in time I was seeing I was feeling a lot of this and so I felt like it would be noteworthy to actually do something around this um, so just to give you um, a brief idea of look how I got here like for those who don't know me um, so, right, CV, long story, super short. Um, went to university to try and make sense of the world and did a psychology degree and came out of it and went, what the fuck was that about? Um, all, all it seemed to cover was um, nutters and mad people, right? And I was more curious in, 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 like, instead of the top and bottom five and 10%, I was interested in the middle 80. And we really didn't cover that. 
So I, I left university quite uh, like fed up with it and went traveling and whatnot. And then came back to psychology and did a master's in business psych. So I thought, well, that's the closest thing to any sort of human psychology I could get my hands on. And, and where did the middle 80% hang out? Well, they all generally go to work, so I'll go and do that. Ended up starting a career um, as a consultant, starting off being a trainer, coach, um, learning expert, and then moving into managing complex um, uh, systems change. So London Underground, Nottingham City, stuff like that. Um, fast forward on a few years, got to around about the age of 40 and all the wheels fell off in my life, right? I was the poster boy for a cliche midlife crisis. The whole nine yards, it was brilliant, least spectacular. Um, <laughs> And at the end of that, I was like, what the fuck happened to me? So I, I went out there and just tried to make sense of the world by, instead of doing the book learning that I'd done before, I thought I'd go and listen to the stories of other people and try and understand that. So I created this little podcast, WA Real, which has been going for like three and a half, four years. And there's a couple of guests who've been on it who are in here right now. Um, and, and more and more as I was going through this, I started to see patterns, I started to see things reoccurring. The subjectivity was different in the stories, but the underlying patterns started to resonate around something. And then last year I came across this guy, Jules Evans, and he started talking about this thing called spiritual emergence and emergency. I thought, oh, this is pretty cool. And one of the things you can do when you've got a podcast is rather than read their article or watch a video about them is you can just send them an email and say, hey, do you like to come on my podcast? And, and then you can talk to them and ask all your questions that you want to. Um, Jules, together with a, a, a psychiatrist called Tim Reed in England, they pulled together, and this is where I started to get the idea from, they pulled together 12 people for an evening who had, a, who had incurred a psychological emergency and they shared their stories one after another and that was related into a book called Breaking Open. So at the end of chatting to um, Jules, I sort of said like, like this, is, this is big, dude, isn't it? He's like, yeah, this was after the podcast had finished. And I said, so I'm, I'm gonna go and do something similar to what you did in Breaking Open, but I'm gonna do it here in Western Australia and I'm probably gonna look at sort of just listening and, to people and, and just seeing what happens. And he said, yeah, go right ahead. So. That's where I got to. I then sort of started to chat to a few people like Georgia and Paul and Mel from the Human Excellence Project, which is why you've got that little Human Excellence logo up there next to my podcast logo. And the first thing we did was we sat down with an enormously large whiteboard and asked ourselves, if we're gonna do something around this, what, what's the big objective? What is it that we actually would like to do? If you know, like the blue sky thinking around this. And we came up with these three things, which is the first one's really, really simple and basic, but it's really powerful. It's to legitimize and normalize spiritual psychological emergence with everyday conversation as a recognized growth aspect of life as a human. So when, I, so when I recognize that 12 of you came here this evening just because I put out an advert that said spiritual psychological emergence, you know, it's a step forwards towards that because somebody obviously resonated with it. And then in an ideal world, the people of Western Australia and beyond do these better in a more supported manner that becomes more transformative and an integrated, integrated event in their life. So this is like dialing back the emergency and into more emergencies. And that in turn, we of Western Australia and beyond have the confidence and bravery to own our own human journey and role model this to the next generation. So no more is it like, oh, 
Bryn's having one of his shaky turns, just leave him alone for a while. It's <laughs> Bryn's going through some like stuff here and he's stage four. He's stage four, yeah, or whatever it is, and he's coming out and and, and, and that it's supported and held and recognized with others. So lofty goals, but um, still, sometimes if you're gonna go and you know, take a step in the right direction, it's good to stick some stuff down. So what would I like you guys to get out of this evening? Um, and I didn't put this in the invite because I thought it was all just a bit, I thought I'd spring it on you while you're here. So the first thing is, is not to scare you. Um, and I say that, but the last time we had a, did a presentation and there was a couple of women who really started to freak out a bit. Um, I, wondered if, I wondered if this actually was the cause of a psychological emergence. We can talk about that afterwards. Um, but like I said, you, you have to deal with my flippant sense of humour from time to time. Um, but it's about spurring conscious decisions. Like I said, if you are making a step towards taking a healing modality, recognise that these things could happen and, and this is part of your growth. And, for, and hopefully this evening you'll be able to get a, like a, at least a feel for what's going on. And, and hopefully I'll provide you a bit of a framework to help you just navigate conversations and for yourself to be slightly more prepared for if this happens to you. And another really, really, really important thing, and the last bit is, and we really dialed into this in, in the research questions, was learn how you can actually play your part to support others when it occurs. Because that's one thing we're really not doing very well. So before we get into the thick of this, there's just a couple more bits. And I, there's a really big tip with this stuff, right? Human mind likes to, you know, Oh, Bryn's pre presented A and Bryn's presented B. So therefore A must lead to B and it's all a logical causal thing. It doesn't really add up in this, right? It's, it's, we, 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 like to exert, we like to put causality on things and exert control so then we can feel comfortable about things that potentially can be scary and fearful. Um, this, I would suggest, is just sit and ask questions by all means, but let's just allow it to be what it is. Because um, science kind of struggles with it. And when I say science, it's like science methodology at times can really struggle with this because what we're talking about is really subjective experience that are personally relevant, they have a lot of individual meaning, they're very unique and they're, they're unreproducible. It's like dreams, right? I could have a dream, you could have Probably you could have a similar one, but it would mean different things. And the chances of us having a similar dream are pretty bloody unlikely. So these are very subjective um, uh, experiences. Um, what I'm going to do now is, is, is I'm actually going to tell you what our, the high-level findings were from this. And then you've got a choice. You can sit with me for the next 20 minutes and I'll tell you how we got to these findings. Or you can go home at this point. Um, so the high-level findings that we got from our qualitative research was that these, human, that these human transformative growth episodes occur, right? And that we found that they were very much sort of unprepared deep dives into someone's own inner world, and they can be hugely impactful and destabilizing. I think if I was going to add anything else to that sentence, it's that they were unprepared deep dives, and it was almost like someone was held within their interior. Um, during these events, 
uh, episodes, changes appear to occur at a very deep and structural level of, of, of our subjective being. And the triggers, the things that people identified as some of the trigger things that tip them in, some of them can be actively sought, like I mentioned earlier on, like I actively go to a meditation class, I actively take some mushrooms. But then also there were a number of triggers that occurred that were just passively part of the environment that people interacted with. There's no one universal way through it. There's no do this, this, and this, and then you'll be out the back and you'll be fine. It's very, it's very much a personal thing and down to you. It seems that we have very little to no individual shared understanding infrastructure or tools to help at this point, or at least I haven't come across loads. Um, one of the things I did before, in between finishing the research and then presenting it was I actually went and sat down, I, I took a couple of people out for breakfast who sort of uh, clinical psychologists of mm, 30, 40 years and, and ran this past them and sort of said, particularly this, do we have much infrastructure for this sort of stuff? And he was like, no, we don't. Um, they don't. They don't, yeah. And the treatment is different. And, you know, we had a couple of uh, drug and alcohol uh, counsellors in the last session and that, that led to a really interesting and fruitful conversation. Um, there seems to be some underlying patterns um, and we need more curiosity and research to do these better. So I'm going to give you a quick framework now to try and help you, it, well it helped us to delineate and, and almost plot and understand and allow an emerging pattern to come up. Um, so, what we did was we considered these four quadrants. Um, if anyone knows of Ken Wilber and integral theory, I nicked his quadrants, right? Um, I found it really, really interesting and helpful to when we were taking bit, when we were taking the key points out of people's what people had to say um, was to be able to plot them in different parts in different quadrants. So what, what the quadrants are is that, is that there's, there's basically four perspectives that arise at any given time, right? And we've got like the individual interior, which is our inner private world. These are the thoughts, emotions, memories. No, nobody can get into those unless you let them in. Um, there's then our individual exterior. So this is our body, our biology, our, our behaviors. It's anything you can see, anything you can measure, right? Then there's our collective interior. So these are our relationships, our shared understanding and our culture. Again, it's all the stuff that lives within us, in not like in our heart, but you know, within our subjective experience, but it's our sort of shared part. And then there's our collect the collective exterior. So I put here like systems and the system. You know, so we've got network, technology, internet, st stuff like that. D does that make some sort of sense? Right, you super sure about that? It's, it's, there's no test, is there? Yeah, there is actually. <laughs> so, so if I was to ask you where would a community group sit in here, where would you plot it? Yeah, yeah. cool. If I was to ask you... Well, it's not. It's interior. You what? It's, sorry, it's interior. Because it's, I guess... It's a bit of both. It's the relationships of the community group ah. that are giving you a sense of... So meaning. internal relations between people in a collective sense? Yes. Okay. Cool. 
Um, where would you put like someone's heart rate and hormone levels? Sorry? Individual, Ex what? Yeah. You have to see a heart rate at the yeah. well, you, you can measure it. See it. You can measure it though. Where would you put capitalism and the internet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It could, yes. Look, look, you go further into this, you realise every quadrant has an interior and exterior, but we're not going into that. And then finally, where would you stick someone's trauma and identity? In there. Now look, I, I did that, not, not, not to be like a school teacher, it's just really quite important, as you'll see. Because what, what we did is we chose a qualitative um, research method. So we didn't Ask, we didn't you know, assess people from a biological perspective. We certainly didn't do it from an observer perspective. You know, I didn't turn up and watch somebody in the middle of a spiritual or psychological emergence. And we certainly didn't look at it from the perspective of the DSM-4. Now I put that down the bottom right, but you know, having chatted to a few psychologists, they would have it down here because it seems like it's just like this collective understanding myth thing. But um, so we very much went down a qualitative subjective route of asking people about their experience and ask them from here to give their perspective on things that occurred in these as well. Does that make sense? So I put out a video back in, where was it, September, October, October? Yeah, about October, November, something like that. I put out this video, me and Smart Woolly Jumper, just asking if anybody would come forwards and... Where did you put it out then? Uh, Facebook. Uh, Instagram. I think I actually spent a hundred bucks on, on Facebook advertising, which shows you how good I am, because nobody saw it. Um, so I just might as well just throw a hundred bucks away. Um, it, was good. it was good to have a plan. I know one person who saw it. Um, so yeah. So out of that, 12 people who we'd never met before, completely never met before. Well, actually, I think we had up to about 19 people actually get in touch, but for various reasons, sort of, yeah, the, the, seven, the seven didn't quite work. Because um, we were, pre we were pretty, pretty particular about only picking people in Western Australia to see if there's anything that happens specifically here. Um, and there were a few people from around the world that sort of cottoned onto it. So this was pretty cool that 12 people actually stepped forward and went, yeah, I'm happy to chat to you for what was anywhere between half an hour to an hour and share what was a pretty personal experience. Uh, we found that of the 12, 11, we could probably say were spiritual emergencies. The 12th person probably wasn't. Um, he was probably still struggling with addiction cycles. Um, so we, we sort of looked at it and popped it to one side. Um, of the 11, the episodes lasted between 6 to 24 weeks. So this is not like a, a weekend thing. Um, it, it really seemed to last for a while. And everybody looked back at these episodes as positive and, and a necessarily deeply personal growth experience. So we asked them a series of questions, right? And, and they were pretty, pretty basic, open-ended. The first one was, you know, tell us about life, what was going on, blah, 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 just to set the scene. And then we said, right, what was the trigger event that went into that? After that, we then asked people, you know, about what was going on uh, how they were interacting with the world, what was going on inside for them, and then we asked them what really helped 
what didn't help, and what would really help if you were going to go through this again? Or if, if you had a friend over there, what would you do? So we stripped out, we, we stripped out the key points. Um, out, you know, so I think I did seven of the interviews, you did two, and, and Paul and Mel did a couple as well. And then we pulled out the key points and then we started to plot them. And this is, this is why this framework's really kind of helpful. So as you can see, first off was the triggers. So we've got things like guided meditation, an undeniable inner experience, um, got a vision quest in there. Would you say that is up here or is it down there or? I was curious, I was thinking that, I was like, oh, interior, I was like, I mean. I mean, you spend a lot of time with yourself, don't you, on a, on a vision quest? Except that the crux of it isn't actually that it's about yourself, it's about your relationship with everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as we've found. Um, <laughs> it's complicated. It, it is. It is, and this is complicated. So this this really helps to at least put a first level of delineation. And and the idea is to split it out so you can at least get your arms around it. Otherwise, it's just a big mess. Um, so yeah, we've got some other stuff with bodily related. You know, uh, kinesiology, chiropractic, breath work, um, serious uh, medical issue that le led to a you know, near-death experience. Psychedelics. I put psychedelics up here because I guess for me, there's still, I take a physical compound, put it in my mouth, it does something in my body, and, and yeah, you're going to go in here, but you've manipulated something out here. Um, then in the collective, um, there was counselling sessions where there more, and, and channelling sessions you know, from other dimensions and what have you. Um, a series of, this was really interesting, a series of arguments with a housemate. Um, that, that was super fascinating, that. And also, someone else just put forward that it was the paradigm of the expectations of others, just this continual, this is my shared understanding of what the world wants of me and everybody wants of me, and then that sort of caused things. There was, um, there was another one over in the bottom right, corner there which was failure to find legal answers to an issue they were they really thought that a legal system was going to give them the answer and then it didn't interestingly Jules found in his research that Brexit was a cause he did his over in the UK I think the interesting thing about this for me is like us like I alluded to in the findings is that kind of anything from here upwards you know these are all things that people have consciously chosen to go and do Stuff below here are interacting with the outside world. Um, you could say, okay, somebody went and actively sought a counselling or a channelling session, um, but a series of arguments and, and others. Um, I know from my own experience, uh, the breakdown of a relationship caused one for me and the loss of a job. Yeah. And and the loss of a, a sort of career ending, a, the loss of a job that sort of signaled the end of my career, my business consulting career, that certainly caused another one. Um, so I found that particularly interesting. Now we're sort of gonna go into the, the real guts of this. And like, this is really content heavy, and if anybody wants me to send them this, I, I'm, I'm more than happy, I'll whack up a PDF. This is where we were getting to the guts of it. This is where I said, you know, what were the thoughts and feelings that you experienced during this event? So we're now really getting into it. So, you know, we've got stuff like, never experienced anything like this. It wasn't what I asked for. <laughs> I heard that a few times. 
I, I, I know I wanted a transformation, but I didn't want it like this. Um, confused, depressed, anxious. Big existential questions are coming up, you know. What the fuck is all this about? Who am I? What am I doing here? Really, what is happening? You know, I thought I was going crazy, losing my shit. Um, am I going to stay like this forever? That really came up quite a bit. How am I going to cope? Am I going to lose everything? Is something wrong with me? Um, this was really interesting from one individual. I actually know what insanity feels like, having come back from the other side. Um, there was people saying they were really struggling to compose themselves. There was no, this was the most, well, probably one of the most graphic ones, was there was no island inside of me to cling on to for any refuge in the middle of this. I was just at sea. Um, I couldn't make sense of anything. There was a real sense of dreaminess. I, I, I had this as well um, in one of mine where for at least three to four weeks, it was almost as if, it's almost as if I'd had a joint at breakfast and everything was just a bit dreamy and I couldn't pin things down. Um, feelings really began, for some, feelings really began to get switched on and, and thoughts had feelings for some people for, for, for the first time. They'd think about something and they'd really feel them. Um, there was a real, quite commonly, there was um, linked with that, there was a real sense of pronounced empathy. Like during this, I could look across the street at some bloke and I could feel their pain and everything that that represented in the world. So it's really quite intense. Experience of a lot of synchronicities and there's a big flick between seeing things at a big macro level and a real micro level. So as you can see, there's a whole lot of stuff going on here. You know, it's, it's, it is really quite confronting and that's why this quadrant got a whole page to itself. Um, some of the things that were happening from a, a bodily point of view, uh, there's some real bodily responses. Those feelings had some real sensations to them. Um, a lot of crying. Some people got into sort of real extreme exercise or at the other end, just complete fatigue. Body aches and pains. Um, sleep again, either some people not sleeping for days and weeks, and then others just slept like they'd never slept before for two or three weeks. Uh, and some panic attacks. Um, then how did you deal with others in the outside world? I became more thin-skinned to others. I struggled to keep a mask on while interacting with society and people. I couldn't relate to others. I struggled to be around people. Struggled to be around people that wanted to fix me and save me. And that's when we come to what helps and what doesn't help. That's a big theme. Um, super sensitive of boundaries all of a sudden. Like, whoa, you can go away. Um, and, you know, and then um, it could feel everyone around, a real sense of pr pronounced empathy. So I've mentioned that before, but you could really feel their pains. This was... This, when I thought about it, this actually really impacted me personally quite a bit just actually thinking about it is that there's all of it for, for a couple of people there was a real deep sense of realization that there was a lack of investment in quality connections and relationships in their life so that when they were all at sea when there was no island to cling to when the wheels were coming off at that point they realized that all their mates were just mates and who do they turn to? Who's your best friend? 
so to speak? Who's the person who's actually there who you can go to? And for some, this, ca this experience, whilst processing that, also came with that realisation at the same time. Um, and that, that in and of itself is really quite confronting. And I found really sad, really, really sad. Um, yeah. Also interacting with the outside world, more thin-skinned to the outside world, struggled to play the game of the system with banks and money and jobs and admin, and struggled to engage at work. Several people, I had several people saying they would just go to work and then go and get in the car at lunchtime and shout and cry or punch the steering wheel. Some had to leave work or study, and some people just started, this came up a few times, everyone started to see everything as energy, which I found really interesting. So that gives us an idea of what's going on, right? And one of the things that jumps out to me is like, a lot of that is very akin to what I showed you at the start, you know, what we think it looks like and what it actually looks like. I think I've done 12, in, we've done 12 interviews. I'd love to get that to 25, 30. What I would also like to include, and I'm probably jumping around a bit, but I'm pretty certain that there are, there are spiritual emergencies where people have almost like this touching the numinous experience and, and, it's, and it's not like this. It's more like manic and it's more God complex and it's more, oh, I've seen the light, follow me. So I'd like to interview a few of those, but they're sometimes tricky to get a hold of because the ego plays a bit of a role in that, you know, when it starts to come down. Certainly. Although from my, from my old days of doing three days of training, I always found that a cold room kept people awake. Yeah. But there you go. So there we go. So look, we'll, we'll be into the chit-chat in a minute. Um, then we move to what helped, what didn't help, and, and what would you have liked that would helped. So these are some of the things that people came up with, and it is fascinating to hear. Knowing that this could happen before, you know, just knowing that this could happen and it could be an event, um, and knowing that it, it, it will end and that it is an episode and that I will come back. I'll be different, but I'll be the same as well. I'll be able to function again, but I know I'll be different. Um, there's a suggestion of just do, do, do what fills your soul and, and stand up for what you need during this period of time. You know, it's very easy for us to go, oh, am I really ill? Am I not? This, that, and the other. Oh, should I, should I? And, and you know, many people go do that dance around of, I'm just going to sit here and moan about how ill I am until somebody tells me that I should have a day off. And, and in this situation, nobody's really going to tell you exactly what to do or that, to take it seriously. You have to do it for yourself. Um, there's the acceptance of the tough, tough realization that only I can get me through this experience. Nobody else can come in and do it for me. Um, and surrender to the process, trusting something bigger than yourself and bigger than your identity. And, and understand the importance of doing your work beforehand. This was a big suggestion that um, you know, having that level of introspection and curiosity about your interior. And, be real, and also be real with yourself and upfront about where you are in life. We all like to tell ourselves stories of convenience from time to time just to gloss over things and make life palatable. Um, 
and and that I understand why people do that but with this in mind it's probably worth being real with yourself from time to time as to where you are actually at um, from a, uh, an interior uh, individual exterior point of view the big suggestion about just be in the body wailing shouting crying hugs and physical connection they were a big request put your body in nature with fresh air in the ocean in amongst trees um, at the bottom there is fascinating I interviewed two ladies on the same day neither of them knew each other uh, one in the morning one in the afternoon both had decided to take themselves down south and go and live in a yurt for a couple of months because uh, they just needed to be touching ground and nature which says a lot for being in nature and visiting quest I'd say um, good food stay off the piss um, herbal remedies grounding modalities interesting that some people were suggesting kinesiology and chiropractors and other people had suggested that they were the triggers that got them there in the first place so that's interesting um, and camping a little bit so it's, it's very much a be in the body allow your body to be and then from a um, what, what helped during this time and what didn't from you know like that collective interior some people wanted to be just left alone. They just wanted to genuinely be by themselves. Others wanted them to, someone to just listen, hold space, validate the experience. This is real, this is happening. An acceptance of what is happening and just allow it to be. They did not want to be fixed. They did not want to be solved. They didn't want to be judged. And, and there was this big thing of not wanting to feel like being a burden on others. That was a big part of um, repelling people away and just wanting to just be in nature if they started to sense that. Um, a sense of reassurance that this wouldn't last forever and it would pass and just hearing that from somebody else and that there is a wider community outside that understood and, ex and supported this. This was very much like a what, what would really help. Um, um, also, a greater understanding of this by those who offer the healing, healing modalities. There were a couple of people who rang up the person who had provided the service and went, oh, this is happening. And they were like, mm, really? And there was that not really knowing what to do. So even if there was a, uh, an understanding of it and an ability to just direct them or just take some level of duty of care in it, um, and it, you know, it raises an interesting question, you know, and it, it, you know, like it's great, Claire, that you're here and you're interacting with this because you see it as a thing that could be a byproduct of the service that you offer. Um, you know, I think there's an interesting discussion that, um, particularly when you know you've got help and you know commerciality and boundaries and scope and and that where. The service starts and the service ends but then understanding the impact of the service that you provide um, oh and, and yourself as well who provides sound healing sorry it's not all just clear um, so yeah I think also um, it's being open and honest with your surrounding networks about where you're on where you are in life and what's calling you in you know if all of a sudden you find that you're being pulled towards you know trying out some mushrooms or ayahuasca and yet you're not going to tell your husband or wife and then all of a sudden this stuff happens that's that you're going to have like several things to deal with all at once 
Um, and also, this is normal. I didn't mention to these people what our big goals were, but it was interesting that this should be normalized and widely understood by society. And then what helps from an exterior point of view, grounding in nature, being on the land, just lying there under the big sky, engage with the medical model if things do get too much and too intense, you know. Um, creating a respite from the system, reducing workload, taking leave, spending time in the bush and rural areas, similar to the top points. Um, what would be really great is if there was a greater understanding of this by GPs in the psychology and psychiatry world at, at large. Um, and there's also, and this is a real tough one, you know, it's also putting admins, admin, I put, put admin stuff in place. Ensuring that you have enough like sick or annual leave or you have enough provision for that in case something happens. You know, we're talking about a psychological spiritual emergency and people can say, yeah, but you know, I haven't got the time or the money to put in place. But then, you know, similarly, you could fall off a bike and break your leg and that could happen. So it's, it's having that level of prudence around your life and recognizing that this could happen. And if you are being pulled into something, that this could be happening and so therefore what simple provisions can you make in your life if this was to occur so they were the they were the major things i think there's just a few other individual um reflections and comments that came out you know i was given something that ultimately i could handle and sorely needed to happen even if it didn't feel like it at the time there was a real sense that, you know, after the event, you look back and go, yeah, well, actually, I could handle it, even though I didn't feel like it, but it was all like extending boundaries. Uh, being prepared of let, to let go of everything, um, most precious relationships, uh, knowing that they will come back. Um, this was interesting as well. You know, I know I asked the question about triggers, but often at the end of it, it was, in hindsight, it'd been building and I'd been leading myself. And so the trigger was just the last event of many that seemed to be the tipping point. But, uh, and when it happened, it, you know, it, it happened so fast, but when they look back, it's often like, oh, this was so obvious that this was, you know, to quote a great phrase, this was in the post, it was coming. Um, see a higher order logic of it. There's a real sense that, um, of cracking open and delayering for some, particularly around feelings, where people have been really good at suppressing feelings for good chunks of their lives. All of a sudden it's like, whoa, this feeling tap has come on. And that probably linked with that pronounced sense of empathy. Um, and then it's learning how to deal with that in your body and is part of your everyday life. Um, often there is significant shifts or pronouncements in, in people's priorities, values, sense-making framework, and just how they're instructed inside. So things that were important a couple of months before were now no longer and stuff that was never important before all of a sudden has just switched on in their life. And, um, and some people left past behaviors and networks of people behind. So yeah, so that's kind of what, it's not kind of, that's what we did find. Oh, that was another thing. These often are not one-offs. At least two people indicated that since their primary event, they'd had others. And, um, and that the second ones were easier because they had the opportunity to draw on the capabilities that they developed and the reflections through it. So 
I'll take you through the high-level findings. Um, I could ask that in a minute, but so what's kind of arising for you guys listening to that? There's a whole lot of stuff, stacks of stuff on a, on a slide deck, but like I said, we, I didn't, I didn't, we didn't want to do this exercise by just you know, reading a few books and hypothetically taking a book learning position on this. We wanted to actually go out and listen to people and build up a little bit of a body of knowledge from the bottom upwards. Does, does anybody resonate with any of the stuff that's going on there? Yeah, I just think I went through something, you know, very much like this, and I think I mentioned to you last time we met, like at the time, there was nobody that I could talk to or that understood or that had any sort of, mm. didn't even know what that was, you know, and it was really scary because there was nobody. So. I think um, it was interesting that I, I had at least, I think it was three, three or four people who, they were almost in tears when they finished talking to me because they were like, Brent, I've never really properly been able to talk about this. I've never had the space to actually properly talk about it because even if I start, then people, it, it triggers them and they want to come in and say, oh, it, surely it wasn't as bad as that or you know, or it wasn't quite like that. Maybe it, maybe it was this or something like that because they just don't quite have the framework to get their arms, arms around it. And it's unknown. Yeah, so it's so it's scary. scary. People go, whoa, don't want to touch that. This must be, um, you know, uh, a psychiatric thing. That's right, yeah. And it just gets bundled off into that mental health world, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, no. And, and you see this so much. I mean, I'll work in the health environment. You know, that's what I do. I have to, I'm on this, you know, this interface with people and it's so easy for them just to get flipped across into oh you've got mental health problems mm. oh she's nuts or yeah, yeah. You know? and, and it's around the CBT and antidepressants probably yeah. less nuts than any of the rest of the world but you know they've, they've actually sort of been through this or uh, can I be so forward as to say we've been through this you know because I think if we're sitting in this room we've all probably if not been through this, had someone close to us that might have. So it's very, very interesting. And we kind of intellectualized it as well. We really did lift it up to an, like, we, we took it out of the, the touchy-feely, wooey sort of space because we wanted it to be taken seriously. Now, have we done a robust, you know, study? No, we haven't. This is a feeler study. So, you know, we would love yeah. to make this bring something, make it more, make it better, find out more. Yeah, from there, we were pretty rigorous with it. Like I said, I, I, I sat down with two notable clinical psychologists and told them exactly what we were doing and they said, well, it checks out. Yeah. And I got a lot of freedom outside of a university to do it. You know, normally people do this in the university. How, how would that go if you hadn't, uh, I guess, 
what I found is people only meet you as deep as what they've gone. And mm. you know, would you be able to ask these questions if you hadn't had, ex had experienced you know, uh, question. an awakening? Well, maybe not. It's a good question. So, I've got this emerging hypothesis about this, right? Is that, uh, and this is an emerging, that as there's a, there's a balance between um, the complexity that we see in the outside world and our ability to meet that complexity with the complexity we can see within, the, within our inner world and how we, you know, rationalise and make sense or, or, or however we make sense of it, right? And so as we, as we see more deeply into ourselves, we see more deeply into the world and, it, and this and that. And I think, I think ideally you'd sort of want it to be a bit like that. But often the world can go off. I mean, fucking hell, look at the last 12, 18 months. That's pretty traumatic and complex and, and, and uncertain and ambiguous. And so, and I think that was another reason why I was drawn to want to do something about this because the world just seems to be getting more uncertain and ambiguous. And so, so you know, that whole, the world's taking off and the balance to be able to meet it from the inside in terms of the, your understanding of complexity and, and meaning making can be stripped out and that can be quite traumatic and so something sort of ruptures in the middle of that. So that's a long way of me sort of saying probably you wouldn't, I think you probably would need to have experienced this to actually even probably hold the space maybe or something of this ilk. Um, if you went down Bryn's emerging hypothesis, yeah. I think it'd be, I don't know, it'd be pretty tricky Check it out for the audience. Think, uh, I think it'd be pretty tricky to hold space for something like this if you hadn't. Because I, I work as a volunteer on one of these crisis lines, right? But um, in my spare time. And um, what's really interesting is that you need to have some understanding of, in, in that role, I mean, we're not talking the spiritual stuff that very rarely comes up when we get calls. It's, it's people that are triggered from trauma and they've got to talk to someone or you know, worse. So um, to be able to take those calls and to understand the context of what those people are calling about, you need to have some, I think, some legs on, on, on life experience yourself. Mm. And you see the difference between those that are studying sort of psychology or counselling straight out of uni or they've got to get their hours up for their practice. And they're, they're ability to deal with those calls and the complexities and the depth of it and what that means to a person is very, very different in, in 20 year old eyes to a 40 year old eyes to a 60 year old eyes and beyond, you know, like you, you do gain some wisdom by the time you get to sort of this point. And I think you do, I think you do need to have some of that to be able to take the important bits out of what people are saying and be able to um, reflect that back in a meaningful way mm. and understand it. Yeah, Does that make sense? Yeah, you touched on the, the near-death experience and, you know, part of my experience. And I found that um, just in recent times in, in, in assessments of how I dealt with this, and psychology being a study of the mind by the mind and a, and a, a very abstract 
mm. way of looking in on someone's experience through only the eyes of the study of what's accumulated brought forward, not experienced. Yeah. And I had a, um, a well-practiced uh, psychiatrist assess what had happened to me, and he ended up in tears. Mm. And and uh, I, I see a lot of a lot of things coming forward now. People having a question and exploring these realms of what's happening to me. In the essence that I also see a lot of people learning to teach yoga, learning to these modalities purely in, um, and and acutely using that as a means of trying to understand what they're going through in, in the, the realms of helping others. Mm. And in seeing this, you know this this you know, prominent figure in in psychology go go to water mm-hmm. and and me sitting there trying to describe a kaleidoscope called blind man in, in, in the essence of a near death experience it was it's quite isolating to be in that zone and and in particular when you are going through something where you feel that you are isolated and no one else is going through it it's hard to understand who to reach out to yeah. at that point and generally the only people that will understand you are people that have gone through the same or similar experiences to meet you on that level to reflect the experience that you have and a lot of the times I can see just in what I went through me just starting to talk about it triggers people on, on, yep. on so many different realms that it's quite isolating in just that form where you're sitting here you know someone talking about their first world problems of, of something so insignificant and you know, like personally, just just trying to scrape through with you know immense pain, you know, and and you know psychological damage, you know, due to to one incident, you know, like it's it's mm. yeah, it, it's it's such an expansive thing. I think the more and more people that start to to awaken to these things that are happening and. You know, there's still days that I, I, you know, I can sit and listen to a Vitru play and I'm, I'm on another existential trajectory where things are, you know, I can look back at the dots that I've gone through and realise the times that I was having these, you know, emergencies or emergence that, yeah. that I got through, I didn't know how I got through, but I can reflect on how I got through them and, and then find that air of, of gratitude for, mm. for the strength of that today. But yeah. I think for this, like you said, for the strength you have today, um, I've kind of noticed in a strange kind of way, I, I actively do things now to bring these sort of things on now. And I, and I like dropping in to the abyss and then seeing what comes back out. But that's that's been over a couple of years and you know i still frighten myself from time to time a lot actually um but it, i get more 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 sort of grounded and comfortable in the fact that i could drop into the abyss but something i will come back up or if i don't <laughs> you know but uh, but but i will come back up and so that that means that you can face a lot of life's challenges, whether it being, you know, 
complex and, 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 and ambiguous and, and ever-changing world and go, well, crikey, this is moving really quick and it might sweep part of my identity with it. You know, because I know that I'm Bryn who does this for a job, but that might just get swept away really quite quickly. But I know that this still is it until it leaves this flesh bag. So yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, we're into the open discursive um, part of the... Thank you so much for sharing that story. Um, I can see the depth of... The, well, probably just the surface of <laughs> the tip of the iceberg, but you, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine what you've been through. It's huge. Um, I think that really highlights why peer support is so important and, and this whole thing of, like, you can't support other people without having an understanding of it. Well, you can, but I don't think it's going to be as effective. Um, and I guess, you know, one of my main, um, you know, when Bryn started talking about this project, I was thinking, wow, wouldn't it be just amazing to be able to provide support to people? Whether it is, maybe it is a crisis phone line for people going through spiritual emergencies. How cool would that be to have, you know, like somewhere to turn where you can get supported through this or, you know, like you know, my, my partner's going through this or, or, you know, someone at work or whatever, you know, like, I, I don't really know what to do, but I don't think they're right. Is it mental health? Well, maybe it could be, you know, but is it... Is it cool? isn't it? Yeah. I reckon that would be dangerous if it was put in the bucket of yeah. mental health and so put the government in charge of it. Yeah, but. exactly. <laughs> this, is, this is kind yeah. of the motivation of like, we just want to help people yeah. because we I mean, look, the, this, is, this is 12 interviews yeah. and it's, it's very much version 1.0. It's, it's 12 more than many people else have done. Um, like I said, I'd love to get to 25, 30. At that point, I would like to be able to sort of just really take some of this and sum it up and put it into a few simple little freebie videos that I could put on a YouTube channel that basically goes, look, you know, like I've recorded this this evening, so look, here's, here's where we started. But then it's like, you know, at a, at a real sort of rough, here's some bullet points. This is what you need to know. This is, and, and if you're in the middle of it, these are some of the points, things to consider. And also, you know, if your partner, if your friend, if your, you know, your husband or your wife is going through, here's some things to consider as well. Because, you know, if you do this, the chances are you might push them away. So you might just need to do this. And also to reassure them, because like you said, Chad, you know, you start opening up and, and, and you, you suddenly find out where everyone's trigger is because they're like trying to correct the narrative or push you away or talk over the top of it. And so just that probably a bit of guidance for the person who's around them just to say, look, you'll get your boyfriend back. They're going to be slightly different, but you'll get them back. They'll be okay. It might take a few months, right? You've got to let them go and it will come back. You know, and we get to that whole thing around nervous system, you know, it's different, you get triggered and you want to hold on, you want to fix, you want to do the thing. You know, we've all, we've all seen, we've all probably been in relationships where we've had that, where, yeah, it won't go on. But See, this, this is a, a field that's called grassroots. You know, because, mm -hmm. as you said, we, we've come here, we've seen the, the thing on on our social distraction, the social media, and 
like you're coming forward and you're having this vision and this, the question, because it's ultimately it's a question um, with, with real no answer. <laughs> Yet, you know, and, I, and just simply being able to present your, your videos and, and like I know even just for me talking about in any form, there's no one that I've that I've found you can actually turn to that has a you can confide in in such a way that, that isn't going to label you know in some construct of how things used to be. I think it's just such an expensive world we live in now, it's, and it's changing exponentially. You know, even just from COVID, like so many people are noticing how much was not important to them anymore, and the things they thought were important are no longer important. Life's a lot more simple for a lot of people that I know, and, and just that alone creates this emergency, creates some emergencies. Well, mm. Who am I beyond, beyond not, not being able to walk on the beach because I'm now stuck in this house for a week? Because of, you know, you know mm. there's, there's so many things that are starting to wake up, and I really feel that you know, it's the little threads, it's the tiny little threads that you just start sewing this tapestry that give mm. people now to. research if you, you know, want to expand it is not just increasing the numbers of the individual participants but looking at it from the collective perspective because mm. you know I think when I'm trying to make sense of this and not just how to help people or prepare people but looking at it from the angle of you know why is this a tricky thing to hold and you know like you mentioned it's where there's a service that someone's offering when does the end and mm. you know stop which is one side of the coin, but you know the angle that's helped me is to look at, well, how did other cultures used to mm. handle this? And like we're so individual focused, and like, yeah. this is what the individual could century itself. Mm. Yeah, when really, I mean, even just looking at a, you know, the classic rite of passage, which of course mm -hmm. is what this is meant to probably yeah take care instill, of <laughs> instill, bring about in a, mm. yeah yeah bring about or you know people would so you don't force someone to do it. Do it differently, but yeah. many rites of passage people nominate to do it like it's only when they feel ready, but it yeah, wasn't cool. then an individual thing. So, yeah. like, even I mean, using the vision quest for example, people will go out and it's a very individual thing, but the whole thing was you'd come back and the community who'd be holding the space to begin with mm. hold it while you're out there, mm. and then they come back and they recognize you as changed, like, yeah they would then recognise, okay, you've received this vision and we're going to support you in that. And rites of passage are similar, like it's all about the community helps mm. you integrate it. So of course we miss that piece yeah. now, not just in the context of an individual service of a rite of passage, but collectively on at all times. Yes. When, and like it was recognised, you know, people not being able to find people to talk to, I mean, one thing that that made me start to prepare people better for this experience recently was being conscious of, yes, yeah, start talking to others about it, but nominate who are the people who are going to like say, look, I just need two or three of you to be there when I come back. Because I don't, 
that it's not me trying to like palm off responsibility and no, I'm always right. available to help, but it's so important that it's actually the person's actual yeah. community that are the yeah. ones holding it. So how can we... It's a nice continuation of care through that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's... It's not. It's just how what being a, na- a human is naturally meant to be. Mm. Yeah. And like with the Human Excellence Project, you know, I think love about it so much is the idea of mentors, and you know, we don't have that because people haven't gone through initiations and rites of passage themselves. But it's like because when we even service providers, we do these things separately. But what if we could start being more conscious about forming communities around it so that we could then you know, actually be able to hold people in a much more natural and human way because mm. there's only so much individuals can mm. do for themselves and the cause of it, why is this a problem now, I think is much more of a cultural problem rather than for that one person individually. I, I mm. have to agree, in what my, from my own perspective, mm. that's, this is only a personal perspective. I think we've completely become disconnected from the wisdom of the elders in our communities. Mm. You know, when, when did we turn to an old person and say, what do you think? Mm. You know, like, we, we've just lost the ability of that as Western culture. You know, we, we've tidied away the, the oldies into homes and tucked them away so we don't talk to them. Mm. Whereas that's actually probably our biggest knowledge base mm. that we should be tapping into and integrating through. And then, and then I feel that it's very much... Uh, my responsibility to make sure that my kids, who are teenagers, yeah, yeah, teenagers now, you know, that they're going to be prepared for when this stuff happens because I want them going into the world knowing that they are actually going to be, you know, caught if this stuff happens. Mm. But yeah, mm. that's quite an alien concept, yeah. and it's certainly not one that I would talk of openly outside of this room, really, because yeah. it would be quite. Confronting, mm. I think, for a lot really? of people. Really? Did you draw any? Sorry, this is a question that's been burning in my brain for a while, stimulated by the actual invitation that brought me here. Do you offer any clarity on the delineation between a psychotic break and a spiritual event? Um, not really. So we made um, we made a couple of. made a couple of conscious decisions right at the start of this, which was to put it out, see who came forwards, ask some questions, see what happens. Right. One of the... The, the 11 from which we drew the data set from, they were very... We, we didn't hone it, but they were really quite clean. As in, you could see a lead up, it was a trigger, it was an episode, and they came out. And then they had a sense of reflection across all of it. They had a sense of quite deeper sense of learning and improved sense making as a result of it. The 12th person couldn't give us any of that. But clarity, okay, so Claire, but you're, you're describing, you're describing yeah. dynamics of something yeah, for which you're calling spirit, a spiritual yeah. experience. I'm tagging the name to it. Yeah. 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 So, I mean... I've, um, and, and this was part of why I checked in with Bill. Um, because... Who's 
Bill Saunders, who's the, I spent a bit, but he was one of the two psychologists I checked, and I checked with him quite a lot. Um, he's not the biggest fan of the DSM-4 or the world of psychiatry, right? Yeah. Um, and, and he sort of said, you know, if someone was to present with this, it would be seen as a lasting thing. And so then they would be stuck on medication for an extended period of time. Yeah, but that's treatment. Yeah. I'm, I'm still trying to... Those, yeah. those are how it would be treated within the psychological yeah. framework. But, but did I go and grab something and see if this would compare to the DSM-4? No. no but uh, yeah, but put, let's put aside the DSM-4. I'm just yeah. saying, how, how can, as a, as a person in the street, so you're, you're a person with a, you're a guy in the, in the, in the trenches with, a, yeah, yeah. with an active interest in this because of your own experiences yeah. and, your, and, your, and your history and your past and all of that kind of thing. So yeah. what, what I'm saying is how do you draw the line between a, between a psychological event and a spiritual event. Can I um, add something? School question. That, like my own experience that I had, yeah. there was no question whatsoever that it was a spiritual experience in my mind. Like it, it, I just knew it through every part of me. So, um, what? And, and also, it, it went through common stages, which I later learned do form like a common thread when people right. go through these experiences. There's a trigger, then there's a build-up, and then there's a crisis, and then shortly after the crisis has passed, there's usually a dark night of the soul, which is a depression, and the whole period takes mm. about 12 months to unfold. And that's very much what happened with me. Yeah. It was a pattern. Mm. I guess, back to your point. Thank you. I called this a spiritual slash psychological emergency yep. because yeah. I couldn't Sure. Quite. I think. Does it need to be labelled? I don't know. It's it's difficult. Look, I'll be. I'll really blunt with you. The reason why I put the two together, because because the reason why I put the two together was one, one will appear to your your irrational mythic, and the other one will appear appeal to your your rational methodical mind. I say psychological. It's got like science orientation yeah, or right, something yeah. if I say spiritual it's got that more mythic and, and one of the things I'm sort of learning at the moment is you know different people get orientated at different times towards different stuff so yeah. I, I don't know the answer so it could be a false dichotomy is what you're saying suggesting yeah I mean yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it, yeah. I mean yeah. We're, uh, isn't this what you were talking about at the beginning <laughs> is, is, is what we want to do is we want to control it, we want to name it, we want yeah. to have something yeah. because that makes it so much easier because if I can name it, there's a treatment, there's well, a that. So we want that. to say it's one oh, which, yeah. which is the, the treatment. Yeah, that's good no, that. Not the treatment because that medicalises it as well. No, no, but I'm saying even this, you know, you, it, yeah. People like to name it. What yeah. is it? Yes, yes. I want to name it. It's very comfortable to knowing. Yeah, if it's this, not this. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So. And I think if I was going through something like that, I would ask myself that question Am I going nuts? Oh, am yeah. I oh yeah. And because sure. I know Charlotte's story, one of my questions to her was Did you ever think that you were going mad? You know, and she said no, like she knew 100% it was spiritual. Right. But there were, as you saw mm-hmm. from some of the quotes I took out, there were a lot of people who weren't so sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Because I have no words to But describe. I think if I was going through something like that, mm. that would be a question I was asking. Oh, believe me, mm. I asked myself that question. Mm. I was like, well, Did you look at if they follow up faith or what their exposure to um, spiritual beforehand was? No, it didn't actually. So that would be interesting. That'd be an interesting question. One of the questions that emerged from the last presentation, which was really interesting, so we're back to that whole urge, urge and want to control, was uh, one of the ladies sort of said, well, there were two, there were two ladies who, who asked two different questions, but they're sort of similar. One said, so if I stop doing my meditation and yoga practice, will that mean that this won't happen to me? <laughs> and then the other one was, so, and if I do a lot of that care stuff that you were talking about, will that just make it a whole lot easier? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, you got to get. Well, I can't. I can't tell you. Might, might not. Might, might not. Oh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Listening to the stories, I wish I could have listened to more, but it just the scheduling of it was really hard. But. Um, their stories were extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Like these individuals, and every every person that goes through anything like this is got a story, and it's going to be wild and wonderful and scary and tragic and all of those things that make us human beings. I would be thinking this is like more common than the not common. I would think that these oh, yeah. stories. I mean, people not wanting to come forward. I understand that, but I would understand that this is probably more huge. You know, possibly. Yeah. I, I, I think this I is the norm. I, I look at it. I think. But I'm just saying, everybody, I mean, like, the, the thing is, is that we, we call it stress burner, we, 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 we label it, we want to do it, oh, it's just part of this, and, you know, so, but uh, I'd be surprised at, and then, then there's obviously deeper levels because of trauma and bringing in, that, gets, that brings it to this higher level, so it's just basically Mount Vesuvius. Right, we've got two conversations going at the same time. Sorry. And now both are Now we've got none. Now we've got none. Way to kill it. Anyway. It's good. Really, yeah, it's so interesting, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, thanks. So, yeah, some take-home suggestions. Choose consciously. Uh, start talking to others about it. Face the often ignored space if you're in a world, because that It'll come back to bite you at some point in time. <laughs> it will. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to turn into one of yeah. those episodes. Basically. Take time to talk openly about where you are and where you're being drawn from within, with those around you. Uh, take some time for some courage to legitimise your inner world and uh, your actions and being. And, um, be actively aware of how to deal with your triggers because you could end up being a carer for somebody or be encountering this and, 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 and like Chad was saying, you start talking about this, um, it can trigger people off. It's like, yeah, just go and talk to your nearest and dearest about your own death and see what happens. See how long they want to stay in the conversation for. <laughs> not, not very long, so often. So, yeah, thank you so much for coming this evening. Oh, thank you. It's, it's thank you. Been, um, it's just awesome that people want to come and talk about this mm -hmm. and, and actually take the first step towards legitimising it and what have you. Um, if anybody wants to help going forward, that'd be awesome. If anybody wants a copy of this, if anyone wants another chat at another time, that'd be great. If anyone's got a group that they think, oh, 
do you want to come over and present this or like a watered down version of this? Happy to do that as well because um, where you think there might be a, a need for it, I'm happy to come and chat. So yeah, thank you very much. Thank you.